0: for what she was going through, but she meet, she reasoned in her mind. I want you to understand that the power of her touching Jesus, there was no precedent for that, of touching the hem of his garment and being made whole. What made it powerful was she determined in her mind that if I'll get out of my situation and just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I will be made whole. And if somebody here today would just make up in your mind that I'm going to move beyond my circumstance and I'm going to get a hold of Jesus, and when I do, everything is going to change. When I do, every circumstance is going to be changed. Amen. Tell somebody in the building, I will be made whole. I believe Jesus is in the whole making business, amen? He's in the business of taking broken pieces and making something out of them, amen? Amen hallelujah if you would with me turn in your bibles to the book of job yeah how do you talk about being made whole and go to job well job had a powerful testimony somebody said i know it's cliche but you can't have a testimony without going through a test amen you can't know he's a healer until you've known what it feels like to be sick Amen, we can learn something from people who have been through some things. I I, I can't learn much from somebody who's not been through anything. Amen, all you're you're giving me is theory. I don't need theory, I need need practical. I need answers, amen. And so we look to the book of Job, chapter 23, and we're going to begin reading in verse number one. I am reading from the English Standard Version. Whatever version you are reading from should be very similar. The Bible says in verse one, then... Job answered. Everybody say, then. Job answered. And here's what he said. He said, today also my complaint is bitter. My hand is heavy on account of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find God. Amen. Oh, that I knew where I might find God, that I might come even to his seat. If I, if I could find God, I would lay my case before him. And I would fill my mouth with arguments. I would plead my case. I would know what he would answer me and understand. If I could find God, I would understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No. He would pay attention to me. There an upright man could argue with him and I would be acquitted forever by my judge. Behold, I go forward, but God is not there. I go backward, but... I do not perceive him on the left hand when he is working but I do not behold him he turns to the right hand but I cannot see him but he knows the way that I take hallelujah but he knows I feel the Holy Ghost right now but he knows the way that I take come on somebody there's promise in that word right now but he knows the way that I take and when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. Amen. The Lord bless you. You could be seated. This past July the 20th, just a few weeks ago, there was a kayaker that launched his kayak from Fort Morgan, Alabama, into the Mobile Bay. And after rowing out into the waters, the surf quickly became rough. The waves around him began to rise. Unable to steady the small craft that he was navigating against the raging tide, the kayak was turned over, leaving the man desperately clinging to his overturned kayak. He had no life jacket on, nothing but the kayak that he had been in and a cooler he had brought with him as well as his cell phone. He grabbed the kayak with one hand and then propped himself up on the cooler that he had brought just to keep his head above the crashing waves, and he dialed the familiar digits 911. The dispatcher would later state that this call was unlike any other call that they had received. He recalled the sound of crashing waves as well as rushing wind blowing into the mouthpiece of that phone. At the time of the call, the kayak had made its way nearly a mile from shore, The man had no reference point with the shoreline. He really didn't even know where he was at that point. The only reference point that he had was a decommissioned oil rig that he could find off in the distance. And as he clutched the cooler, the kayak became dislodged from his grasp and quickly was carried out into the ocean by the waves. The situation was quickly becoming desperate. Having no true understanding of where he was, the ability of the rescuers to quickly find him became imperative. Thankfully, on the other end of the line, the dispatcher was already at work to pinpoint the location of this man in peril. Utilizing a recently updated technology, he was able to use GPS coordinates from the man's phone to lead rescuers to his exact location. Within, a few minutes, within the few minutes that it took the rescuers to reach the man, not only had the kayak departed, from his possession but now the cooler had sunk to the bottom of the ocean as well and the man was simply treading water literally hanging on for dear life had it been left to that man to know his location and communicate back to the, 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 the dispatcher, he would have undoubtedly perished in the raging wave. But because somebody else had been able to determine his location, what would have ended in tragedy became a testimony of triumph. Amen. And I want to preach for a few minutes today on this thought. He knows the way. Aren't you glad today to know that God knows the way? Amen. Aren't you thankful today to know like Job knew that God knows the way? Before I get into preaching, I just want to say how happy I am today and and honored to be able to tell you all that yesterday, amen, I was able to come and baptize Mr. Bell, amen. We baptize Mr. Bell in the name of Jesus Christ, amen, for the remission of his sins, amen. I'm so thankful today that God is still washing away sin. I'm still thankful today that baptism is still a powerful thing. I'm still thankful today that you can go down in waters of baptism and the old sinful nature be washed away, amen. Amen, and before we leave here today, if you need to be baptized, I'll say it like Mr. Bell said to me, we can dip you too. Amen. Amen. He knows the way. As we, I want to lead up to the point of Job in the 10th verse when he makes this declaration. And I want to start back at the beginning. The beginning of chapter number 23 and actually proceeding that into the previous chapter because the first verse of The 23rd chapter tells us that then or something that preceded it is what led Job to make this statement. Amen. So we have to begin in chapter number 22 with the accusations of what is supposed to be a friend of Job's by the name of Eliphaz. Amen. the Bible determines Eliphaz as a Timonite. And what is supposed to be Job's friend spends 30 verses presumptuously charging Job with some malicious sin. I mean, if you read the accusations of Eliphaz, uh, I, I, I would wonder if that guy was really my friend to begin with because he makes every accusation that you could think. He said, "Job, you've obviously done something terrible. You've obviously taken advantage of the poor. You've obviously neglected the widows. You obviously don't even have a moral backbone. You obviously are a despicable human being. And, and after 30 verses of malicious presumptuous accusation he he reasons with job in these 30 verses he says that, that there's no way that you would be going through what you're going through unless you are guilty of some evil vile sin and he goes on and concludes and says if you would just come clean if you would only repent of your transgression, if you would only fall on your face and and, and just tell the truth, Job. Uh, Everybody knows that you're lying because you wouldn't be going through what you're going through if it weren't some vile sin in your life, and if you would just repent, things would get better. Now, there are problems with the reasoning of Eliphaz. Amen? I'm I'm gonna present three issues that I think we can relate to our lives today today that I find, I find fault with Eliphaz's accusations. First of all, his presumptions were inaccurate. Amen, he pre, his presumption, everybody say presumption. Amen, the Bible tells us that we need to be careful of the sin of presumption. Do you know what presumption means? It means to assume something before you have all the facts. Not that anybody here would ever do that. It's a, it's a Bible term because it only happened in Bible days, right? In Job chapter 21, verse 34, Job speaks to his friends, and here's what he says. He says, "How can you comfort me in vain, seeing in your answers there remaineth falsehood?" Job is saying, "I hear what you're saying, but it's not true. I hear what you're saying about me, but you need to understand that it's false accusations that you are bringing against me. It's not true. Anybody ever had an accusation made against you that wasn't true." Trying to explain yourself, but, but it seems like it's falling on deaf ear. But But not only did Job say that their accusations were false. Listen, in the 42nd chapter of Job, when the story of Job is coming to a culmination, in the 7th verse, the Lord opens his mouth and the Lord begins to speak. And the Bible says that the Lord looks at Eliphaz, the Timonite, and he said, My anger is kindled against you and against your two friends because you have not spoken of me what is right. In other words, I heard you back in the 22nd chapter when you were making accusations against Job and you were telling Job what I thought about him and what I would do. But Eliphaz, I've got a problem with you because you were not telling the truth. You were making false accusations. I want to say today, be careful of being presumptuous. Amen. Be careful of looking at somebody else's circumstance and and casting judgment upon them for what you think they have done. Amen. Be careful about putting yourself in a place where you become presumptuous. It's easy to look from the outside in and see what's going on in somebody's life and and decide that that we understand how they got there and what's going on and what they need to do to get out of that. Amen. But like Eliphaz, Eliphaz had it all wrong. Amen. Job hadn't done anything wrong. God was trying, Job, so that he could prove to the enemy that there was a righteous man. So be careful looking at somebody else's situation. Amen. I call it the Monday morning quarterback syndrome. Amen. Everybody in here, on, you know, or the, the armchair quarterback, right? Sitting on the armchair with a Doritos in one hand and a Dr. Pepper in the other. Ain't run a mile in 15 years. And yet, hey, if I were you, I'd outrun that linebacker running a, a 4, 5, 40-yard dash and about to split your brains out on the, on the football field, but if I were you, I'd outrun that linebacker and throw that ball. You ain't throwing the ball 10 feet, but I'd throw that ball 70 yards and I'd hit that wide open wide receiver. It's easy to look from your situation and say what you would do in their situation. Job chapter 2 verse 11 tells us that originally Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar The three friends of Job, originally, they had come for the purpose. They had heard about what Job was going through. Amen. They heard about his adversity, and the Bible says they came to sympathize and comfort him. How quickly that changed. When they looked at Job and what he was going through, they quickly turned from comforters and they turned into condemners. Amen. They shifted from being somebody that was there to strengthen him and they became those that would slander him. I want to say today we need more strengthening in the church. We need more encouragement in the church. I'm not here today to look at your situation and say, here's what I would have done differently. I'm here today to say, take the hand of Jesus. Amen. Let God guide you through it. Let the church help you through it. So my first issue with Eliphaz's whole 30-verse tirade was it was inaccurate. The second problem that I have with the reasoning of Eliphaz is that he proposed a doctrine that is a dangerous doctrine. The doctrine that he proposed was that only the wicked suffer. Amen, that a problem in your life is evidence that you're not in right standing with God that adversity and sorrow are reserved for the wicked. So in other words, if I see that you're going through some things and I see that there's a sickness that has come against your body and I see that you're going through some financial difficulty, that is evidence to me that there is some sin in your life. Amen. The first 11 verses, Eliphaz strongly states in chapter 22, he strongly states his case that Job's suffering is evidence of his sin. But the Bible itself debunks this myth in Matthew chapter 5 verse 45 Jesus said he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and he sends rain on the just and the in other words my suffering is not always a sign that I'm in wrong standing amen sometimes it's just a season that I've got to go through so that God can bring me out on the other side The reason that that is dangerous is because the enemy will play on that doctrine. Hey Amen. You come into church and you start getting in relationship with God. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen the moment after you give your life to Jesus. You come to an altar and you repent of your sin. You go down in waters of baptism and you get filled. with. I'm going to tell you, you're not going to walk out that door and, 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 and tiptoe through the daisies or through the tulips. That's not what the enemy is going to come against you. And I've seen so many people, they buy into the doctrine of Eliphaz, and because there's adversity in their life, they think that God has abandoned them, and they believe it to be evidence that they're not in right standing with God. I want to tell you, it's just going through the storms of life. Amen. It's just going through a season of testing. Somebody say right now, my adversity is not evidence that I'm not in right standing. All right, my adversity is not evidence that I'm not in right standing. Psalms 34 and 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them. The difference between me and me. And, and maybe, argue, maybe you could argue, or am I righteous or not? Why well, in his righteousness, I am. But the difference between and me, the guy that has no relationship with God, it's not that, that I, I don't suffer and he does. That's not the difference. The difference is that I suffer too. But the difference is that I've got a God who promised me he's going to bring me out of it. Amen? Yeah, yeah. And that's a powerful promise. That's a powerful promise to know that, yeah, I might suffer for a while, but it's going to turn around. I, I, I might suffer for a minute, but it's going to get better because I've got a promise that the Lord delivereth him out of all. Somebody, you need to get a hold of that promise today that the Lord will deliver you out of all. Not some, not a few, not one or two, but the Lord delivereth him out of all of his afflictions. I wonder if there's any children of God today that can testify. I've been through some afflictions, but God brought me through. I've been through some storms, but he never left my side. Many. Adversity. Adversity is not reserved for the wicked. And struggle is not evidence of sin. The final problem that I have with the reasoning of Eliphaz Maybe another false doctrine, a dangerous doctrine. But he reasoned that repenting and turning to God would result in a life of bliss. Eliphaz presents, if you would, the earliest form of the prosperity doctrine. Verse 23, he says, If you return to the Almighty, then Job, let me tell you what's going to happen. If you would just admit to your wrongdoing. If you would just admit to the sins that you have committed and ask God to forgive you. He says, here's some things, Job, that are going to happen. In verse 28, he says that you will decree a thing and it will be established for you and light will shine in your way. Hey, Job, if you'll just confess and you'll get things right with God, then whatever you speak is going to come to pass. Amen, and light is going to shine on your way. You're never going to have another cloudy day. Amen, that when you're cast down, he says, that you will speak with confidence. Amen, listen, I'm not saying, that repenting and making things right with God is not going to change things because it will. But it's not an assurance that you'll never have another trouble in your life. It's not an assurance that you won't have any more sorrow. It just means that God is by my side. Amen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. 30 verses, Eliphaz goes on his rant of false accusations, proposing two dangerous doctrines, that your suffering is evidence of your sin. And if you would just get right with God, life would be free of all worry and care. I hope by now you know those are false doctrines. I I hope that you've, if you don't today, let me tell you, Come to this altar and repent, and I promise you things will change, but it doesn't mean there won't be any more trouble. It doesn't mean there won't be problems, but it does mean that there's going to be a friend that the Bible said will stick closer to you than a brother. Amen. And so after 30 verses, an entire chapter exhausted with false accusations and empty doctrines, Job responds. Beginning in the first chapter, I'm sorry, the first verse of the 23rd chapter, we get down to the third verse, and I like the way Job opens up this verse. He says, oh, that I knew where I might find him. Amen. Job listens to the accusations that have been left, lifted against him, and his response is simply, oh, that I might find God. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. Amen. Can I tell you the proper response to accusation is not to lash back out of them. Amen. It's not to return a brick for a stone. Amen. Job does does not last back out at, 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 at Elias, Rather, he turns his attention heavenward, and he says, Eliaz, I don't have anything to say to you, but if I could just find God, if I could just find the presence of God, if I could just find my way into the presence of God. Yes. Yes. Have you ever been there before where you wondered where God was? I know it's Sunday morning, nobody wants to admit it. Have you ever been there where you wondered where God was? Where seemingly God was nowhere to be found? I have a feeling that there's somebody here today because God impressed upon me to preach this, not because it was a, maybe the greatest sermon. I've ever, I don't know how you'll rank it. I don't necessarily look at sermons that way. I just know what God impresses me to preach. And usually it's because there's somebody here today that's going through it and you wonder, where is God? Amen, where, where you needed a word from God, but it felt like God was silent. Where you needed a visit from the Lord, but it felt like he was distant. Where you needed the touch from God, but it seemed like he was withdrawn. Amen. And so today, like Job, you might cry out, oh, that I might find God. If I could just find God today, I know that everything would be better. Elias, I can't respond to your accusation, but I know that if God was here, I know that if I could just get audience with the King of Kings, I know that everything would be all right. And in his loneliness and despair, Job reveals truths for us about what you can find in God. Now, from Job's position and his plight as we read his words, he is bemoaning what he's missing. He's saying, because I can't get to God, here's what I'm missing. But for us, the reader, what that's telling us is if we do find God, here's the things that we can find. If I do find God, listen, God is here today. A few minutes ago as we began to worship, I have a promise from his word that where two or three are gathered together in his name, he is there in the midst of them. The Bible tells me he inhabits the praises of his people. So I just want to tell you today what you can find when you find Jesus. I want to tell you today what you can find in Jesus that you can't find anywhere else. You won't find it at the drugstore. You won't find it in the university. You won't find it in a certificate on the wall. But you can find it in Jesus. Job said, if I could just find God, verse 5, he says, I would know the words that he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Listen, if you find God, you will find understanding. Amen. Being in the presence of God bring, puts things into perspective. Uh, amen. It allows us to, under, to, to gain an eternal view of life's trials. Uh, amen. I, I, so many times I've been going through things and trying to, to make my way through it in my own ability. Uh, and then I got into the presence of God, and my problem didn't get any smaller. My problem didn't disappear, but God lifted me up and He helped me to see it from a bigger perspective. It gives us an eternal view, amen, of putting our problem into perspective so that we can have understanding. In the 73rd chapter of Psalm, Asaph speaks of a circumstance that has him teetering and tottering. I couldn't think of a better phrase. I like teeter-tottering. Right? He's been knocked off balance by the prosperity of the wicked. The Bible says he's looking around and he knows people that are wicked. And he says, I don't understand why they're in a better place than I am, but they're engaged in all of this wickedness. And his problem is overwhelming to him. In fact, Asaph says, My feet well nigh slipped. But then he goes on in the 17th verse and said, until I got into the sanctuary of God. Amen. When I got to where God was, everything changed. My problem didn't disappear. The wicked were still prosperous. But I gained understanding of their end. I'm thankful today that I can come into the presence of God and I can gain understanding. Amen. So many today are being shaken by what's going on in our world, political division, racial divide, and they're being shaken. But let me tell you, if you can just get in the presence of God, it will all make sense to you. You will all understand that these things must come. These things must come. But then don't lose heart because Jesus is coming back. Amen. Don't be tripped up by what's going on around you. You need to get in the presence of God and you will gain understanding. (laughs) Troubles don't go away, but I'm just reminded they won't last always. The pain may not abate. But I gain understanding that for every pain, there's always a purpose. The sorrow doesn't always subside, but I'm reminded that joy still comes in the morning. Amen. It doesn't go away, but I get a God-sized perspective. Everything is going to be all right. He's got me in his hands. Amen. I'm hiding under the shadow of his wings. Come on, somebody. Aren't you thankful today that there's understanding when you find God? Somebody ought to raise your hands today, God. If I could just find you today, Lord, the pain that I'm facing, God, it would bring purpose. Hallelujah, God, what I'm going through right now, if I could just get into your presence, I would gain an eternal perspective of what I'm facing. Job said, if I could just find God, I would understand I would understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. I would understand it would all make sense if I could just find God. Hallelujah. I feel that, Sister McManus. I feel that today. Hey Amen. Somebody reach over and pray for Sister Marcia right now. Sister Marcia. I don't know, but I know in the presence of God, he can give you a right perspective. In the presence of God, he can give you an eternal perspective. Hey Amen. In my humanity, I can't explain why there's suffering and sorrow. But oh, if I could just find God. Here's a danger that we're in today. The the, word, the the church is trying to step out of the eternal, and we're trying to give people carnal reasoning for why there is suffering in our world today and why there's division and why there's racism in our world. You're not going to give them understanding through your carnality. You've got to bring them into the presence of God. It's only there that people can gain understanding. Living hope, it's not time to come down. It's time to lift people up. Oh, that I might find God. Somebody lift up the name of Jesus. Somebody lift up that name right now. Oh, that I might find him. Lord, I pray right now that somebody would find their way into your presence. God, in the midst of their trial, in the midst of their pain, In the midst of their sorrow, in the midst of their suffering right now, I pray that somebody would step out, oh God, of this earthly body, Lord, out of this earthly circumstance, and step into the elevated presence of the Most High God. Oh God, that we could gain understanding. How many things have I gone through in my life that in the moment they made no sense? but the longer I walk with God, I can look back on them and I understand why he allowed me to go through that. I can understand why he allowed that betrayal to come into my life. I can understand why he allowed that thing to come into my path. Amen. But I've got to get an eternal perspective in order to gain understanding. Oh, that I might find God. Verse six, he says, will he plead against me with his great power? No, no. But if I could just find God, he would put strength in me. First of all, if you find God, you will gain understanding. The second thing that you will gain is you will gain strength. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 promises me they that wait upon the Lord shall renew shall renew their strength. If I could just find God, amen, if I could just find God, I know that my strength would be renewed. Amen, it doesn't mean the mountain gets smaller. It just means I've got the strength to climb it. It doesn't mean the enemy gets weaker. It just means I get strong enough to conquer. If I could just find God, I would find strength. Philippians 4 and 13 tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. If we can just find God, we can find the. Tell your neighbor, you, you can find the strength you need. And neighbor, I don't even know what you're going. I feel so strongly today. Some of you, even as you walked in here, I don't know what you're going through, but I felt your pain. I don't know what you're facing, but I felt, I felt it when you walked in here today that you're going through something. But I'm going to tell you, God will give you the strength that you need to make it. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. If you can just find God, He will give you the strength that you need to make it. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Habakkuk 3 and 19, the Lord is my strength. The New Living Translation goes on in that verse and says, He makes my feet as sure as a deer enabling me to walk in high places. Uh, come on God's going to give me strength to walk in places that I couldn't walk before. Uh, God's going to give me strength to dwell in places I could, I got no business in those places, but God is going to give me the strength uh, to walk in realms I couldn't walk in my own ability. Come on somebody today God wants to give you strength. <clears throat> Goliath didn't get any smaller. But David got what he needed to defeat him. The lions didn't vacate the den, but God shut their mouths. The furnace didn't get any cooler. In fact, the Bible says it got seven times hotter. But God made those Hebrew boys to pass through the fire unfazed and unharmed. Amen. God will give you strength. I wish somebody today would say, oh, that I could just find God. If I could find God, I would... Come on, Christina, I know you're praying about some big things right now, but if you'll find your way in the presence of God, he'll give you the strength that you need to make it. I need somebody in this building that's got enough faith to believe the giant standing in front of you looks undefeated. He looks unbeatable. But if I could just find God, he'll give me the strength that I need to make it. Hallelujah. Verse seven, he says, "So first we get understanding, we get strength." In verse seven, he says, "There might the righteous dispute or reason with him, So should I be delivered ever from my judge." What Job is saying here is, if I would find God, I would find somebody who would listen. I would find somebody who actually will listen to me. You ever feel like there's no way that really will listen. You can't talk to... People pay big money just to go sit on the couch and talk to somebody that will... Don't, don't even have to have answers. Just listen to me for an hour. I'll give you $150. Hey, by the way, I'm open for that today. If you want to come and sit and talk... I'm not licensed. I'm not a licensed therapist, but I'm a good listener. And I, I'm good at keeping your business confidential. So it's a, I'll give you a deal, $100 for an hour, all right? But they'll pay big money just because they need somebody that will listen. There's so much... Liberty and victory that comes when we talk and somebody hears us. And then so much of the time we're trying to plead our cause. We're trying to explain what we're going through and nobody... Listens. Nobody has the time to really sit down and hear what we had to say. But Job said, if I could find God, I know that I would find one who listens and he hears me. After 18 chapters of pointlessly pleading his case before Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, Job contends, if I could just find God, I would find somebody who hears me. Every time Job opens up and pleads his case. In fact, what turned them from comforters into condemners was Job just trying to tell them what happened. They were like, oh, no, if you're going through all that, you must be a slime bag sinner. All he was trying to do was tell them his side of it, his perspective. But if I could just find God, I know that he would hear me. 1 John 5 and 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. First Peter 5 and 7 says, cast all of your, somebody say all, cast all of your care, all of your anxiety, all of your worry, all the things that you can't even put into right words, and even if you could, nobody wants to hear it. He said, cast all of your care upon him, for he careth. That's even deeper than just hearing you. It's also caring for you. Amen, somebody, I want you to know today, if you can just find God, you will find one who is listening. The psalmist said in Psalms chapter 120, verse 1, in my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. We've just brushed beyond that like it's not powerful. But it's so powerful to know that our God hears us. It's so powerful today to know that I, I, as the preacher, might be too busy today to sit down and listen to everybody, but there's a God who is anxiously awaiting you. He's waiting, Pam, he's waiting today to hear you. He's waiting today, amen, Jess, he's waiting today. Mike, he's waiting today. Brooke, he's waiting today. Everybody in this building, God hears you. And if you find God, you will find a God who hears you. Where is God? Oh, that I might find him. Because I know that if I would find him, I would find understanding. And if I could find God, I would find strength. And if I could find God, I would hear, I would find somebody that would hear my cause. But Job goes on in verse 8 and says, I go forward, but he is not there. I go backward and I cannot perceive him. I look on the left hand. I see evidence that he is working, but I can't find him there. Amen. I look to the right and guess what? I can't see him there and then he says oh that I could just find God I'm preaching today to people in this building that you feel like if you could just find God uh, amen you're in the middle of a situation right now that it feels like God has abandoned you like the man in the illustration I told you this morning you're out in the middle of the ocean uh, and you're leaning on a cooler that's filling up with water and you wonder where is God I don't even know where I'm at God I don't even know how to tell you how to rescue me I'm so lost Uh, amen oh that i might find god but i'm so glad the story doesn't end with job saying oh that i might find him it doesn't end with a man sitting out in the middle of the ocean with a cooler that is filling up with water because on the other end of the line there's a gps system that's saying i know right where you're at You may not know why you're going through it, but I know where you are. You may not understand what you're facing, but I know right where you are. In verse number 10, Job turns the corner. Amen. After voicing his frustration and spending his lamentation. After bearing his soul and sharing his sorrow, Job reminds, there ain't nobody else listening. Eliphaz ain't there. But Job reminds himself. Everybody say, you got to remind yourself. Say, I got to remind myself. He reminds himself of a truth that is an anchor for the soul, amen, that when I don't know where God is, and it seems that he is silent, I don't even know where I'm at to tell God how to find me, amen, when I don't know where God is, I can't locate him, amen, I can't perceive his presence, amen, but I know that he knows the way that I take. Listen, you may not know where God is, but He knows right where you are. You may not know how to find Him, but He's already got you on His map. You may not know how to tell Him where you're at, but He's already dialed in your coordinates. He knows where you are. Amen. You stand with me this morning. He knows the way. I take the little literal translation of those phrases. The way that I take would be, He knows the way with me. He knows the way because if we, you know, I know the way the King. and, And certainly, there's no error there because that's part of the meaning. He knows the He knows my direction, but but the literal translation is more than just He knows my direction. He knows my condition doesn't just know where I'm going he knows the state of my heart He knows my situation. He knows my, it's not just that he knows the way I'm taking. He knows my way. He knows where I'm at. He knows how I got here. He knows where I'm going. He knows how I feel right now. He knows the overwhelming circumstance. And even though I look to my right and I can't find him, and I turn to my left and he's not there, if I could just find God, I would find strength. But but he's nowhere to be found. But, But you know what? He knows the way. God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Somebody here today, God, is trying to let you know he knows right where you are. Last night, you might have cried yourself to sleep saying, God, where are you? I need you right now. And he sent a preacher today to tell you he knows where you are. I wonder if somebody would come to this altar right now. It's got your GPS coordinates plugged in. He knows your direction. He knows what brought you to this point, but he doesn't just know the way that you take. He knows the way with you. Jack. He knows the heaviness of your heart. I need some of you sisters. I I don't know right here. I don't know what you're going through, but I felt when you walked in today, I need some of you sisters to come around knows the way. Would you raise your hands right now? Come on. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www. LivingHopeMD.com. So i